You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, well, good afternoon and welcome into Big Noon Sports. Just a delightful fall day. About 60 degrees will be our high and it's just sunny and it's just beautiful. It makes me want to go outside be a great day for golf, Lars, but perfect we day have, for golf. We have business. There's nothing like golf in December. It's one of the main reasons I love the South so much. You can play golf in chance. December. You can play golf in January. You can play golf in February. You where, can't do that I, in Nebraska, Minnesota, from, or New York. Where I come from, you can only play golf about seven months out of the year. Not well. here. I remember uh, the first year I moved here, I was able to play golf on Christmas Eve day. Yep. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Went out and played Oak Mountain by myself. It was wonderful. And it's interesting, you know, obviously they're not green and lush like they are in the middle of July, but they're still kind of cool looking, even though it's a lot of brown. It's a lot of brown, but the thing is you get a lot of roll, too. Oh, yeah, especially when it's <laughs> kind of froze overnight. Yeah. yeah. And I need all the roll I can get. <laughs> hey, Lars, I want to bounce a number off of you. And perhaps you've seen it in your research. 1,100. Is that any significance to you? Nope. That's the number of people in the transfer portal. Wow. 1,100. And two are from Alabama. The most noted would be Tyler Buckner. Going back to Notre Dame. However, Lars? Going to play lacrosse. I wish they'd had lacrosse when I was a kid. Did they have that in Nebraska? No. Just looked like a, a sport I might be okay at. Yeah. But anyway. It's, it's, a, it's really a Upper East Coast sport. But, um, yeah, it's, I always it, think it, of it, John Hopkins. It is. Yeah. John Hopkins, Maryland. Um, North Carolina. St. John's. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, but it, it it is spreading. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, and I think uh, if you are a parent out there with a young child and you want to get your child an athletic scholarship, lacrosse is the way to go. Uh, just because the uh, the majority of kids across the country aren't playing lacrosse. All right. That being said, what an athlete Tyler Buckner is. I mean, to be able to play quarterback at Notre Dame, at Alabama and now go and transfer as a lacrosse player is really amazing. It looked like he uh, was originally going to go to, like, Michigan and play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I guess the quarterback got caught up in him, and he decided that he would uh, play some football. But, yeah, you know, I, and I can see him playing just from his demeanor on uh, the field as a quarterback. Yeah, so. and he uh, he's going to go back to Notre Dame yeah. and, and play lacrosse, and uh, but he is going to finish out the season with Alabama as uh, the Tide make their run at the college football playoff national championship. Um, and he also, uh, according to uh, Pete Thamel, who I used to work with at uh, as, at Sports Illustrated. Um, according to Pete, that uh, he, Buckner hasn't ruled out a return to football. But, um, but yeah, I mean, going back to his high school days uh, in uh, California, he was considered one of the top lacrosse recruits in, in the nation. And uh, at one point, as you mentioned, he was headed to Michigan. 
as a lacrosse player before committing to Notre Dame in football as an athlete, right? And it was ranked as sort of in the top 100 of athletes in the 2021 class. Um, unfortunately, you know, his tenure at Alabama, it, it, we're just going to remember it for the debacle in Tampa Bay. But um, clearly, I, 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 I think it's great that he's staying with the team to help the team prepare and, you know, perhaps run some scout team. Yeah. Right. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he uh, plays the role of uh, the Michigan quarterback in the scout team. Um, but yeah, so it, it, certainly not surprising, especially given the way that Milrow has absolutely seized the job and seized the opportunity. I mean, we all know he's going to be the starting quarterback at Alabama next year. He's going to enter the season as probably the top Heisman contender, probably the favorite to win the Heisman. Um, right. Would you say? Yeah, that? no, I'm just I'm staring into the ceiling, and, and you're yeah, watching me. Yeah, I can't think of anybody I, immediately. I, I, I think he will probably enter the season as the Heisman favorite. Um, so I don't think this will be the first player, the first person out of that room to leave Alabama, especially knowing what they have coming in with Julian saying with saying, yeah, uh, who and is uh, I mean the uh, the secession plan is there, right? saying sit as the backup for one year, uh, maybe only play him in four games, right? So he can maintain the possibility of, of, of redshirting. And then he becomes the starter in 2025. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's mapped out. Yeah. Because everything that I've heard about Julian saying, and like, as I've mentioned to you and I've mentioned on air, one of my close friends is writing a book and he is embedded with the Saiyan family and he could not be more impressed. Everything about this kid screams winner, 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 winner. And he's not the biggest kid in the world and he, he's, he, he'll get to Alabama. Neither give, was Bryce Young. But yeah. yeah, but he'll get to Alabama. He'll, he'll, he'll put on some weight. And I, I think, like I said, like the line of succession, it, it's, it's there. If Saiyan is who we think he is, and you know he went to all these camps and was the MVP, right, of, of the, all these different quarterback camps, Elite 11, man, I mean, Alabama could be set at quarterback for the next three years. Lars, didn't you tell me that Four years. there was kind of a maybe special relationship or maybe more so than Nick Saban's had with recruits in the past. Yeah, absolutely. With Saban. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nick calls him all the time and, and, um, and they just have a rapport I'm told that is quite unique for coach Saban. And, 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 and part of me thinks that in the back of coach Saban's mind, does he believe that Julian Sane is his last quarterback? And that's why he's perhaps developing this special yes. relationship. Yes. It's a possibility. Well, you know what? Uh, I want this to sound positive, but I hope so. That means he's going to be around for four more years. Yeah. Minimum of three. Three. I mean, yeah, it'd be three at minimum. All right. $7 question for you. And I was going to ask this not knowing the answer. I looked it up for you because you've scolded me so many times. <laughs> Is there professional lacrosse? 
I'm going to say no. There's uh, the National Lacrosse League, the Premier Lacrosse League. You want to take a guess at what the average player makes? Mm, 30000 a year. Wow, way to go. It's 25000 Twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good. You didn't know if yeah. they were pro, but you knew how much <laughs> money they made. Um, Boom. <laughs> hey, uh, we've got a terrific show lined up for you. Of course, Lars and myself and my man Noah. Let's hear it for Woo. Noah. Noah, what's up? How are you today, man? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. How are you? Just uh, terrific. Like we said, beautiful day and lots to talk about. But coming up, we'll talk with uh, Steve Irvine, who knows a lot about UAB. Went to see uh, them play basketball this past weekend. Um, so we can talk a little bit about that. But he's a college football guy, too. And, of course, we're going to bounce how many different questions? A lot of the ones from yesterday. <laughs> what do you think? Would you have done it? That kind of stuff. And also, one of my favorite people and one of our our better guests, not Steve is, isn't he is, but Rick Christofel will talk all things football. That's all coming up on this edition of Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Hey, this is securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Call Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today around 60. Clear tonight, the low 38. Tomorrow, sunny, breezy, and cooler, the high 53. Thursday and Friday, the sky's sunny both days. The high Thursday, 58, the high Friday at 64. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Back on Big Noon Sports. Portions of our program, particularly those interviews that uh, relate to Alabama football, are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. Joining us now on Big Noon Sports is our man Steve Irvine, who's just so generous with his time. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Well, doing terrific. Lars wants to be on the golf course, and I just want to do the show outside. So <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but... Uh, there's a series of questions that must be asked, and I'm sure you've talked about it, and you've probably been asked as well. First uh, of all, just uh, give us your thoughts on Alabama's win over Georgia. It was earned. Uh, it was earned. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that was uh, that they played, you know, really well, obviously, and 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 uh, you know did the things that uh, need, they needed to do. Uh, you know, I, I really thought they. Took advantage of uh, of 
you know, some injuries, obviously, with uh, with Georgia's offense. And, you know, guys were playing, but they weren't full strength. And, um, you know, i tell you one thing that really jumped out to me that, that I thought was, was different than early, than, than, you know, than the Texas game, for example, and, you know, because I saw that one in person, was I really was impressed with their offensive front. You know, I just thought that they, they uh, kind of took over that game. And there's, you know, I mean, obviously they've done that at other times during the year. But the one thing that, that, um, that I remember sitting there thinking in at the Texas game and talking to the guys I was sitting with is, is you know, these guys are too big and strong to not be playing better than they're playing right now. And and I thought that they really controlled parts of that game, you know, a lot of that game against Georgia. And I think that was a, that was a big part of the game because when you you know y'all know when when you can win up front, uh, you're gonna win a lot of football games. Yeah, and I, I thought Tommy Reese called a masterful game. Um, I believe it was the first time all year they actually ran a, a quarterback power play where the 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 right guard pulls, and uh, that was the I think the play in which. Uh, um, uh, Milrow ran for about 30 that almost sealed the game and, and just a really good job of, of play calling. So just let's focus on the coaches just for a second here, Steve. Nick Saban is now 5-1 and one against Kirby Smart. Um, is, is Nick Saban in Alabama just a little bit in Georgia's head? Is it is it crazy to think that even though Georgia is back-to-back national champion? Oh, I don't think it's crazy to think that at all. I think, I think they, I think they are. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I, I just think that, that just the nature of it, that if, if anybody that's ever, you know, anybody that's a Nick Saban guy, uh, you know, whether Kirby Smart, just whoever, whoever it may be, you know, and, you know, Sark, I mean, you know, just, just guys, that, there is, there's, there's always going to be that element where you're, where he's a little bit in your head. You know, I mean, it just, just, it just is. And really, I mean, I guess it's not fair. I mean, I guess really to be, I mean, when you're standing on the opposite sideline from that man, he's a little bit in your head, you know. So, so I mean, it's, it's with what he's accomplished and what what they do. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit a bit that way. But, but uh, you know, I I think that that um, I don't know. I just think that that this time, the times of the year that they play him for the most part is is when to me is when Alabama's playing at its best, you know, because. Alabama every year, even the great Alabama teams have gotten better and better as each week goes. You know, I mean, we're even the great ones that were really dominated, you know, the whole year. At the end of the year, they're just so much better because because of the way they develop them through the year. So I think that's part of it. Do you think that Saban had to replace almost his entire coaching staff, right? Do you think that they had to grow with the team, and that's probably why the progression was. Uh, why they didn't come out of the gate fast, but now they're strong. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think about it. Think, think about what the what the uh, people, what we were all saying about Tommy Reeves early in the year. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, I think part of that was, was coming in, uh, you know, just kind of wondering if he was the right guy anyway. But, but I don't know that there was a lot of people early in the year, you know, the first three weeks, four weeks, maybe, whatever it may be, that were overly impressed with him. I mean, I really don't. I really think that there was a lot of, you know, a lot of question marks. And I think, again, I think a lot of those question marks were deep-seated in the fact that we thought it coming in. But, but you know, you, coming out of that, uh, 
I mean, come out of the Texas game. Certainly coming out of the South Florida game, even with all that, that was going on in the South Florida game, there was question marks. You know, there really was. And as this, but as the season's gone on, you've seen, you've seen, you've seen them develop, and you've seen them just start different things, bring new things in, like Lars just said with the power power quarterback game, and you know, uh, play in that game. I just think that you've seen him grow, and is a different. I think it's a different. He, to me, he's a different coordinator now than he was at the first of the year, and I think that a lot of that is, is growth, you know. And um, and with Kevin Steele, you kind of always do what you got there, but uh, with, with Reese, I think it was a little different. Also, it just felt like Alabama was the looser team on Saturday, and it's like they're almost they've been playing with house money ever since the Texas loss, and mm-hmm. and it, it almost like it feels like they were unburdened. A little bit. I, I I don't know. It's hard to put into words. But speaking of, of growth, what about Jalen Milrow? Have you seen a quarterback oh, progress as much as he has over the last what two and a half months? It's funny you say that because I was thinking this. I was thinking that exact same thing the other day. I was just trying to kind of see if I could go back and figure out somebody. And I really I really can't. I mean, from where he was. I mean, I, I remember, you know, talking with you guys after that Texas game and, and just saying that, you know, basically my thought was you just got to let him be an athlete and you, you just, you know, just basically if he, you know, I mean, I remember saying it. He's a one-read guy. You read it. If it's not there, you just go be an athlete, you know. And and I think at that point that's kind of what he was. And and But now he's a, you know, he's a big-time quarterback, you know. And, and not not just now. As the season's gone on, you've seen him develop into that. And, I don't recall, you know, I mean, there's got to be somebody that you could, you know, you could put a finger on, but I think, um, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't really recall somebody that, that, you know, off the top of my I head, I think, either. okay, well, you reminds me of that guy. Oh, I can't either. I mean, and and still, I thought about it earlier. He still wasn't year. perfect in the Georgia game. I mean, he missed some no, throws. No, he was, he was off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. And it's like Saban said, when it comes to crunch time, this man delivers like the postman. No, better yeah, than yeah. the postman. Fourth and 31. Yeah, and I think that's where he's developed. I think, yeah, he's not going to be perfect because he's not, you know, he's not. But but I think early in the year there were times when, you know, one thing led to, one bad thing led to another. You know, and one, you know, kind of snowballed a little bit. I thought that happened in a Texas game where some early stuff, you know, early stuff happened that, that, really affected him throughout even though he made a couple throws in that game but i but he never felt he you never saw him where he felt like you felt like he felt comfortable uh we're here i think he's developed in a, a guy now that yeah he's not gonna be good all the time but but when it counts you know and and i, I mean kind of the overlooked part about that fourth and 31 just because it was just because of the circumstance and all that that ball that was an incredible throw, and a lot of people talk about it. So it's not overlooked. I don't think it's right, but that that ball he threw right there is as good as you've seen all year, you know. In, in that in that situation, I mean, that was a beautiful, beautiful, and it, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, a, you know, just pitching catch. Like, okay, you know, all he's got to do is get the ball out there and it's a touchdown. I mean, it was that was a great ball, and. and and so I think that that's, you know, I don't know that he does that early in the year. I really don't, you know, but but he's developed that. The best college football player I've ever seen with my own eyes is Cam Newton. Second best was Tommy Frazier. And part of me is like, my gosh, Jalen Milroe is a better throwing Tommy Frazier. I mean, this kid, <laughs> he is special. Yeah. He is special. 
And if he goes on and does what I think Alabama is going to do, this will really be one of the most remarkable stories in college football in a long time. Guy gets benched, and and in a way that that well, I'll let you, I'll just ask you, Steve. What did that benching do? How 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 is it that that the the, the transformative moment? for Jalen Milrow appears to be when he was standing on the sideline. And that's like kind of when he won over the team almost. Right. And I, and I mean, I, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that, that that was, that was exactly what that was calculated. I think that that was, I really think that was the plan, you know, like, like, and it was, I think it was a plan almost out of, out of desperation a little bit. Like, Hey, if we just let it go, like it's going to go, then, then he might not ever get there. So, so let's go ahead and and try this. You know, I mean, it was a it was a, a little out there plan, especially when it's not working during the game. You know, when when you know if one of those guys is not playing, you know, neither of those guys were playing well, and and you didn't you didn't panic and go, okay, well let's let's just throw him back in there. You know, he's still our best guy. I, I mean, I think they I think that's exactly what they were trying to do, and and it worked out. You know, and it worked out because because of. Uh, Jalen Monroe handled it the right way, and and you know, and and did the did what they wanted him to do. But um, yeah, it was it was um, it, it it's great. You know, hindsight or looking back on that day, that Saturday was miserable. But uh, looking back on it, it's, it's kind of a wonderful story. Steve, we need to ask you about the committee, the selection, and the teams, the Final Four. Can you hang through the break for us? Yeah, man, absolutely. Okay, we'll talk some hoops too on Big Noon Sports. Uh, Down to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Steve Irvine. All right, Steve, we begin our next segment with the the multi-million dollar question. Did the committee get it right? <laughs> oh, boy. That, that To me, that's a tough one to answer. Um, my... My belief wants to be they did not. My belief wants to be I wish we lived in a world where where an undefeated team from a power five conference is is, is guaranteed to get in. Um but that's probably not that's not the world we live in. So, you know, uh would have loved to have seen seen it be the other way. I really would have. And nothing gets you know, Alabama, the SEC or whatever would have loved that the if that was the way the world was but it's not. I mean, you you, you can't. You just can't keep it. Uh, you know, an, an SEC champion. That's a, that's a legitimate SEC champion. Now, now, if this is Alabama, if if they don't get fourth and thirty-one, and then they go beat and uh, beat uh, Georgia the next week, and you know, with two losses, then no, then 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 you got to put. You know, to me, you put in Florida State, but but it, but that's not what happened. And so I don't see how you keep out a you know a, a one loss. Uh, uh, you know, one loss SEC team. So, so ultimately, yeah, they, they, I think they got it right. Uh, but again, I wish, I wish, I, I wish it was a world where they got it wrong. But, but I, ultimately, that, yeah, they, you know, to me, they did get it right. I love the diction that different pundits use when they are talking about why Alabama shouldn't be the fourth team, uh, because they describe that fourth and 31 as a Hail Mary. 
That wasn't a no. Hail Mary. That was <laughs> not Mary. a Hail Mary. No. That was a hell of a throw to the corner post. <laughs> or to the corner. Yeah, that was that, that was a football play is yeah, what it was. That was a football play. It was not play. a desperation yeah. that was, play. That was two athletes yeah. making a hell of a play and a really poor play call by the Auburn defensive coordinator, in, right. my, in yeah. my view. Um, yeah. I was just talking with Christian Miller about this. The reaction of the Michigan players and staff <laughs> when they saw that they were playing Alabama in the Rose Bowl. What was your takeaway from that? Um, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't as quite, I, I didn't read as much into it as, as a lot of people have. Um, I just, you know, I just thought, I, I thought in, in a way I thought it was, uh, I mean, in a way, yes, in a way I, I, I agree with a lot of people and it was like a, Oh boy, here we go type thing. But it's also they, you know, they're already in. They knew they're in. I, I didn't read as much into it. Uh, I, I do think that uh, if you, if you, if there been, if you did an anonymous vote among the the Michigan football team, and I'm talking about coaches, everything, strength guys, you know, equipment guys, players, and uh, and and you said, who would you rather play in, in this situation, Alabama, Florida State? <laughs> It's, it's going to be unanimous. Yeah, <laughs> you might you might get one. You know, uh, you know, Harbaugh's crazy enough maybe to say you know to, to you know because you never know what he's going to say. But other than that, it's it's you know it's it's a hundred percent. You know, so there there is there is a little bit of that. But I didn't quite read into it as much as as everybody else did. Uh, you know, uh, but hey, really, it's, it's the reaction all of us would have had. You know, quick follow up. Do you think TCU getting boat raced by Georgia? played a role in Alabama getting in over Florida State. He didn't want, the committee did not want another situation where you're putting in a team that by uh, every single eye test is not as good as the SEC champion. And also, what about if you don't put in the SEC champion, are you going to lose a huge television market? Is the, are yeah. people in the South going to care? Right, and I think first off, I think a hundred percent last year the the TCU debacle had a lot had a, had a lot to do with it. You know, a lot to do with. It. I, I believe I do believe that. Uh, I do believe the TV. Yeah, the you know, which is a kind of a shame that we're that that you're determining that. You know, not determining that, but that's part of the factor of of of, of them. You know, making this choice. And and I, I will say the only thing that really bothers me about this whole thing is is I, I really wish they wouldn't have used an injury as a reason you know particularly an injury as a as a um a primary reason you know i, I mean I, I really wish they would have kind of kind of used a different argument because i don't agree with that that part i don't agree with i mean, I mean because you know you're blaming an injury I mean that's going to happen, you know. I, I mean, who who knows? I mean, Jalen Milrow could get or, or whoever on the first play of the game could break his leg, and all of a sudden it's a different team. Then I, I don't like the fact that you make a decision because of a key injury. I really don't. And I know it changed your team. I know it changed your dynamic, and and all that kind of stuff. But but they did find a way to win with that after that injury. Now they haven't played anybody that as good as they're going to play moving forward would have played moving forward. But I don't know. I, that part I, I just I don't like, and I don't know how you change that. I don't know if there's, I don't know if you can, you know. And, and maybe they should have used that as a reason. But that part did bother me. I was a little bothered by that. 
One other note on Michigan's reaction. You know, if you're sitting there watching and you had a chance to play against the team has got a third-string backup quarterback, a true freshman in Brock Glenn, or you got Jalen Milrow. Well, which one of those guys yeah. are you going to play? All right. Yeah. Well, ask- you're going to play. You're going to play Rodemacher. I mean, you were going to play the third string guy, and you're going to play the second string guy. But still, even even then, you know, yeah. I mean, you're not playing. You're not playing Jordan Travis, even. You know, uh, and so yeah. I mean, no, no. I think that 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 certainly makes a a decision on um, you know how you how you how you view the game. But but I, but I just again, I don't I don't like, and that's just that's my own you know opinion on. I just don't like. I, that I don't injury really don't is, 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 is a big part of it. I, I don't. All right. Um, okay. One of the great things about what we do is we can what if all day long. So what if Jalen Milrow had gotten injured in the Georgia game? Would Alabama have been selected? Uh, still, still won the game? Still won the game. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, because here's here, here here's part of that though, Matthew. You got to remember. So then you're comparing you're comparing two teams with without their starting quarterback. Now, if it's if it's Jordan Travis versus a, a Jalen Milrose less Alabama team, then that's a different story. But if you're saying, okay, well, hey, both of them have a, have their quarterback out, you know, well, I still think Alabama's got the better roster to to uh, you know, particularly after just beating the number one team. So. I don't think that changes a lot. I mean, uh, doing it, but I would, I would, I would say I don't know what would happen with the Jordan Travis. You know, if Jordan Travis were to play, and that's the other thing, what happens if Jordan Travis is playing, and they win, they beat Louisville by twenty-one or whatever it may be, and Alabama still beats Georgia, then where are we sitting? That that's that's what that's I kind think of Florida the, the State story. makes it then. Yeah, I think they might, and that's that's kind of where I'm sitting and thinking. Like, I wonder what happens there, you know. And um, and even with Jordan Travis, I'm, I'm, I mean, let's be honest. If if I, you know, I, I don't make enough money to blow money gambling. So if I gam, I mean, blow money, then no one I'm going to lose. If I'm going to gamble against Alabama versus Florida State, and Florida State has Jordan Travis at quarterback, and Alabama has Jalen Miller on a quarterback, and and I have to bet on that game. I'm not betting on Florida State. I'm telling you that right now. I'm betting on Alabama. So, so to me, I mean, I still think they're the better team, you know. And that's the other. That's the other thing that kind of that, that sort of gets on me a little bit is is a big part of the argument. Or, or you know, well, what everybody has a different opinion on who the four best teams are, you know. So some people are saying, like, just matter of fact, like I just did. So I, I'm, I'm I'm as bad as anybody. But oh, this is the best team. Well, I mean, that's your opinion. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows who the four best are, really, until they play on the field. Quick, quick couple of questions about, about basketball. UAB is just so difficult to figure out. Yeah. They uh, they lost their first two, then they win four in a row. I'm thinking, all right, Andy's got to go home. Now they've lost back-to-back games to McNeese State in Southern Miss. Um, is this team ever going to find its balance? They will eventually. I mean, they, they, you know, those two games, they just didn't guard well, you know, and I think that when you have a roster with nine newcomers that, you know, particularly with, you know, three really key Juco guys that came in, I mean, very good Juco players, but you know, they, there's, that's an, there's an adjustment period at this level. And, and so I think that's part of it. And, and I think the other part is in college basketball, particularly, 
is you can't always. I mean, East State is pretty darn good. They're going to win a lot of games. I mean, and, and especially when they're shooting the ball well and that kind of stuff. And and uh, and you know, I think Southern Miss is probably going to win the Sun Belt again. You know, and, and so those aren't bad teams. You know, they're teams that yeah, you should beat them on your home floor. And don't don't get me wrong. But um, but I think in college basketball sometimes we we get caught up on uh, names and like oh that's a bad loss. But then you watch them playing, ah, that's a pretty good team. All right, Steve. Who's your final four? <laughs> it's so ridiculously early. Oh, that's but, good. I'm but, go but, for it. but yeah, I mean, take a stab in the dark here. Uh, oh, more than, God. Or who are your? Who do you project to be maybe the top three, four, five teams in the country at season's end? Wow, that's such, that's a, that's a tough one. There, it is I mean, a tough I, one. it's December. Think, it's it's really tough. I, I you know, I, I I think Purdue. If if you know, to, to me, Purdue is. You know, Edie is so good, and we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see on Saturday. Um, you know, up, you know, up close and personal watching it. But I, you know, Purdue's got the best, you know, best big guy in the country, obviously. So you got to you got to um, you got to think that they have a chance. But but you know, they they're not good around them. Kind of like kind of like last year. I mean, they they could be they Purdue to me could be a team that wins it all or go at least gets to the Final Four. Or loses in the first round. I mean, or maybe second round. But you know, I mean, loses early because you just never know. So I think he. I mean, I would, I would start, I would start there because I think he's that special of a player. Um, after that, I, I just think it's a, it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of teams that. Um, boy, you know, and you always do this to me. You know, I hate to look ahead like this stuff. You know. <laughs> Y'all, y'all always throw this at me. Or, okay, um, let's just make it easy. Who's the best team okay. in the country right now? Um, Kansas? Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. Kansas, yeah. maybe. Kansas or Purdue, probably. Yeah, I mean, I still think Purdue. I know they lost to Northwestern. I know that was, you know, their you know, Big Ten opener. Um, you know, but um, I just, I, I think with, with him, he's just so hard. I mean, even in that game they lost, he had, I think, 36 or 30. I think thirty-eight and fourteen or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that kid's incredible. Um, yeah, so I think that you know, you know, one game sort of thing right now. I, I think I might take uh, I might take Purdue over anybody because of him. Um, but um, it's like, but I don't know. In, it, in it, football, defense travels. In basketball, big men yeah. travel. Right? I worry about Kansas. Their ability to consistently hit uh, from the perimeter. I just don't know right. if they have a, enough uh, long-range shooters, uh, you know, because what, tournament time, what's the phrase, uh, the the guards? Oh, it's, uh, it's an old saying yeah, it about is an old selling, saying. selling shoes. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it's a, a guard run. It's a guard-led tournament, right? Usually the team yeah. with the best guards end up going deep in March. Right, which is that's why that's why I am scared a little bit with Purdue because of that. Because I think, uh, but I do think Purdue shoots the ball okay. You know, I do think those guys. I mean, I do think they have some threats. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you you, you never know what, what's going to happen. And and that, the other thing with college basketball to me is teams teams develop so much during the season. They're, they're, the team from the first of the season a lot of times is totally different than they were, you know, than they are at the end of the season. So. To me, it takes a little time to kind of figure out who, you know, where, kind of where you want to go. You want to see Purdue? Saturday. They play yeah. Alabama, 1230 on Fox. So uh, that'll be a 
Where's that game? In Alabama. Toronto. In Toronto. <laughs> ah. Of all places. Yeah. Oh, it's too bad we don't have uh, Betty Aco again. You could have gone home. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, Steve, thanks as always. We'll talk again very soon. Appreciate your time. Oh, wait, wait, right, wait. Thanks, tell, tell everybody how they can catch catch up with you, please. Yeah, magiccityimpact.com. Uh, like I said, we cover all things UAB, and um, it's uh, going well, and I had a lot, a lot of good, uh, had a lot of good times with it so far. Good. We'll dial it in. All right, all right. thank you, Steve Irvine. When we get back, we got to talk a little bit about Tua and Monday Night Football with the Mannings. I hope you caught it. If not, we'll catch you up on the other side of this break. This is Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today around 60. Clear tonight, the low 38. Tomorrow, sunny, breezy, and cooler, the high 53. Thursday and Friday, the sky sunny both days. The high Thursday, 58. The high Friday at 64. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, if you got a question or a comment, dial us up, 205-342-9904. Just a quick note and a follow-up. Alabama will play Purdue Saturday. We just talked about that. But in the... And starting on that Saturday and then going moving forward 11 days, Alabama will play Purdue, number four in the nation. Then Alabama will play Creighton, number 10 in the nation. And then Alabama will play Arizona, numero uno in the nation. Way to go, Nate O's. Last night, Monday Night Football, uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm kind of a casual viewer, but when I do turn it on, I watch the Mannings. I just think that their perspective is cool. They're funny. And I turned around and I looked at the TV last night and there was Tua Tungavoyola on with the Mannings. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I, just, I thought it was all cool. And then I walked around listening and then all of a sudden I heard guitar music. Like somebody's strumming on the guitar. And I turn around and it's Tua. And he's playing his guitar on the Mannings. That's pretty and, cool. And it seemed like he was playing pretty well. You really couldn't tell. It's TV and all that kind of stuff. But he's just a cool guy, isn't he? 
yeah, uh, I was on an airplane at the time, so I did not see that. But I did get a chance to see the end of the game. And really, the, the, the headline, so the Bengals win 34-31. The headline is that um, Trevor Lawrence got hurt. Uh, if, if Jacksonville had won the game, they would have been well positioned to get that number one seed in the AFC uh, going into the playoffs. But uh, it looks like they lost uh, Christian Kirk, their excellent wide receiver. Uh, he might require a, a, a surgery for a core muscle injury that could knock him out for the year. And the news is a little bit better, actually a lot better for Trevor Lawrence. because It looked bad uh, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, left tackle Walker Little was pushed back into Lawrence and he stepped on Lawrence's ankle and then the ankle got caught underneath him when Lawrence fell to the ground and it looked bad and, and Lawrence tried to get up. He couldn't slam his uh, helmet to the ground in frustration, but it, it apparently it's a high ankle sprain, which uh, Tua knows all about. And the surgery that was pioneered, by the way, here in Alabama, um, and what that's the exact surgery that Kenny Pickett just got, the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, doesn't look like Lawrence, who suffered a high ankle sprain on his right ankle, is going to need surgery. And Doug Peterson just said a little while ago that um, he wouldn't rule him out for playing next week. But the, the real story to me, as a Bengals guy, you know I'm a Bengals guy, right? <laughs> Do I mention that every well, you, single you day? You didn't bring them up by name. You bring them, <laughs> brought them up by players. So you kind of got Nebraska in with a Tom, Tommy okay, Frazier Jake deal, Browning. Yeah, I got, I got Nebraska. Fan. Yeah, okay. Jake Browning. I mean, he was Johnny Unitas last night. 32 of 37 for 354 yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. All right. Now, he completed 86% of his passes, and he threw for over 350 yards. He became the seventh quarterback in NFL history to do that. Complete at least 86% of your throws while throwing for 350. And also, the first quarterback in NFL history to do that in his second start. Was Johnny Unitas? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, my question to you, Matt Coulter. Who are the other six quarterbacks wow. who in one game have completed at least 86% of his passes while throwing for at least 350? Well, I remember when Phil Sims completed like 22 of 24, but I'm not sure he threw for 350 yards. He did. He so that's the, not it, it. That was the dink and dunk. Can't uh, do that. You got to throw I the ball would, down the field. I'm, I'm going to play the chalk here. Tom Brady. Nope. Tom Brady never did that. TB never did it. Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm thinking there's another Jake Browning or two in that list. Am I right? You are right. Well, I mean, that, that type of player. Uh, Jake Browning is the most obscure player by far. Okay. But here, we'll just go through the list. Um, Drew Brees in 2018. Not surprised at all. Rich Gannon. 2002. Wow. Chris like Chandler. With Oakland? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think he was with Oakland then. Yeah. Maybe. Or could have been with the Vikings. Uh, Chris Chandler, 1995. Probably with the Falcons. Wayne Weenie Weeky. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny. 1992. 
Peyton Manning, 2013. Should have thought of that one. Lamar Jackson, 2021. Jake Browning, 2023. Suddenly the Bengals, you know what uh, Jamar Chase was yelling as he walked into the locker room? QB1, QB1, QB1. Hey, I think it's Uh, time to cut Joe Burrow. Tell you what. No, never cut Joe Burrow. (laughs) Oh, my God. He he hadn't done what Browning's done. But it's so impressive that, uh, that Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, saw something in Browning and believed in him. And, wow, did it pay off last night. AJ is on the sideline. Yeah. AJ's one play away from playing. Yeah, he is. Um, hey, next hour, we'll be talking with Rick Christoffel, all things football. In addition to that, got to throw in the Heisman finalists. They're all set up. A lot more headed your way on Big Noon Sports. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence avoided major injury in Monday night's loss to the Bengals. Head coach Doug Peterson says he just has a right high ankle sprain. Everything looks stable and they will assess him as the week goes on. Peterson did not rule him out for week 14. But wide receiver Christian Kirk has a core muscle injury that will likely require surgery. He will miss time and is out this week against the Browns. ESPN reports that Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson suffered a high ankle sprain as well during their loss to the Chargers in week 13. He is expected to miss a few weeks. CBS Sports reports that the Jets are signing quarterback Brett Rippon off of Seattle's practice squad and are releasing Tim Boyle. And the NCAA is proposing rule changes that would allow Division I schools to enter NIL deals directly with their athletes. The new sports radio revolution for West Alabama is here. Tied 100 9 and 12.30 a.m. WTBC. On the air, the app, the Echo, and that.com. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. All right. We know the four that are going to New York, and I don't think anybody's particularly stunned by this list. I don't know who they would have left off. A lot of people think um, Milrow, but that's not happening. Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels, and Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to win it because wide receivers, you know, I, I know Devontae did, but wide receivers don't normally place in this. So you got three quarterbacks, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., and Jaden Daniels. And you can include Harrison if you like. Give me your one, two, three. Hmm. It's, it's not going to be Daniels. I think it's going to be Bo Nix because Bo Nix will get votes in the South. He will get votes in the South. Penix won't. I think it's a toss-up almost between those two. Head-to-head... Penix beat him twice. Yeah. 
it's going to come down to voting dynamics, much like all of our national elections do. <laughs> it's going to come down to Ohio, right? Or, uh, <laughs> or uh, Pennsylvania or Pencil- Arizona. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. yeah. Like the uh, 81st district of Pennsylvania that oh. has 400 people in it. Uh, they're going to de- determine who our next president is. But uh, I think because Bo Nix has a following in the South, he will get the majority of the votes here. You know, I also think has helped him greatly is Phil Knight and their want to put his face everywhere. Yeah. I mean, has anyone received more Heisman hype than Bo Nix? I don't know if in the history of the Heisman Trophy I've ever seen anyone get that much PR. So I, I think that helps him greatly. You mentioned it. Phoenix has got the two wins, though. But Bo Nix has the momentum. I think it's. I think first of all, it's going to be very, very close. I think Nix by a nose over Michael Penix Jr. But uh, I, I think even though he wasn't on a team that uh, well, his, LSU had no defense, didn't give him any help. And one of the reasons that they lost games. But I think Jaden Daniels has closed a little bit. But well, I think yeah, he's third. I, mean, I think according to Vegas, Jan- Daniels is uh, he now leads the he now leads the odds. He is the best wow. odds uh, according to Bet MGM. And his he stats did, he are did, much better. He overtook the two guys before <laughs> by not playing. <laughs> right. Well, what an odd laugh. Sorry about yeah, that. But. Um, he now leads the Heisman rankings, yeah, despite Boy, staying Boy, it's going to be toss three uh, coins yeah, up. Yeah, I, I just think, again, knowing how Heisman voters think, there is a, a regionalism to it. And Bo the way Nicks, the votes and Bo, are yeah, And Bo Nix is going to cut into Jaden Daniels' votes in the South. I think because Bo Nix is a Southern kid and he started at Auburn, his legacy at Auburn, I I think it's going to be Bo Nix. I really do. Geography does have a lot to do with it. Yeah. And then they'll split their votes in the Northwest, won't they? And the, and the thing is, you know. Bo Nix and Penn. Yeah, yeah. And those two were... They led the Heisman rankings and the odds for most of the season. Um, but Penix, uh, his numbers kind of tapered off, you know, even after as, as Washington was winning, 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 his numbers weren't as great. Um, and right now, according to Vegas, uh, Penix is second. His hot odds are plus uh, 1,000. But that's far behind Daniels. And um, I do believe Knicks would have won this in a landslide had he had a huge game in the Pac-12 championship game. But he didn't. Um, but he did. Lead, he led the prior to the Pac-12 title game. Sorry, he led the country in passing yards and completion percentage. And, um, you know, he had a solid game. But on, on last Friday night in the Pac-12 championship game, but it was uh, one of the worst of the season for him. Uh, he had season lows in completion percentage, still 61.8 passing yards, 239, 
quarterback rating, a 144. And he was, he went into that game as the Heisman favorite, but now he's third by playing just an average game. Like he didn't do anything necessarily to hurt himself other than no. the fact that Oregon lost. I, I'm going with Bo Nix. I'm going uh, against, uh, I'm going to put some. Can you bet online? Oh, yeah, of course. I got to call my, my friend in Vegas. And how do you bet on that? Do they they have odds already established? Is it money or is it an actual? I guess it has to be a money line. Well, Jaden Daniels is minus fourteen hundred. Penix is plus one thousand. Nix is plus twelve hundred. Milrow is actually plus ten thousand. Marvin Harrison Jr. is plus fifteen thousand. Could you so Milrow is actually a, has better odds to win it than than Marvin Harrison Jr. All right. Explain that plus and minus stuff. What, what, uh, you can't do it? Nope. But you can bet it. <laughs> yes, I know. See, what, what did you That's say not how they I were gamble. again? What did you say they were again? It's Jane Daniels minus 1,400. Penix plus 1,000. That sounds Nix like a dominating plus. lead. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Drum roll. How about this? I did find Peter Bartell. Okay. Wrote. Sorry. I just, need to, right. I just need to come back to this because I, I got I, I to just give this to you here. So a plus means it represents sort of longer odds, right? And so if, if you bet 100 on plus 110 odds, you win 110. Well, if you bet 110 on minus 110, you win 100. Huh. <laughs> you know what, so it means, a minus know what means, means that you're betting on a more likely outcome as deemed by the sports book. And uh, you will win less when you emerge victorious. So uh, that's, that's right there is one of the reasons I just don't bet. <laughs> yeah, uh, always, rule number one, always understand the nature of the bet before you place the bet. Don't don't <laughs> sit down at the poker table if you don't know, you know, what a straight is. All right, here we go, real quick, as we go to break, as Rick Christophel is on hold. This Peter Cartel, Bartel, the way too early 2024 Heisman candidate. Top Dog Big Cheese, Jalen Monroe. Jackson Dart, Ole Miss. Carson Beck, Georgia. Quinshawn Judkins, running back for uh, Ole Miss, who is uh, from Pike County or something like that. Anyway, I thought that was quite interesting. That is. What's really going to be interesting is talking all things football with Rick Christopher on the other side of this break. If you listen to Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build 
build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Nine, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today around 60, clear tonight the low 38 tomorrow sunny breezy and cooler the high 53 thursday and friday the sky sunny both days the high thursday 58 the high friday at 64 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 60 degrees in tuscaloosa this is the big noon sports network brought to you in part by laura lee thompson who was with us just this past Friday. Laura Lee is the Bama broker. Just a little while ago, I was talking about how beautiful the weather was because it's 60 degrees, very, very sunny. And then I got a text back from Rick Christopher. Um, I became even more envious. Rick Christopher, longtime football coach in the NFL at the college level, joins us. Rick, do your best Bob Marley for me. Uh, I wish I could. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about... You know, I've seen a lot of Bob Marley. I tell you that. <laughs> uh, so, how is it down there? What are you doing at this moment? I'm sitting out here on the beach. It's about 87 degrees. I'm watching these boats go by in this nice breeze. A little island over there. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> We're all envious. So we'll move on to football. <laughs> hey, Rick, it's so uh, great to talk to you. Um, right now, who's the best team in the NFL? Whew. The other night, I think the, the 49ers looked like they were the best team, in my opinion. You know, I think Philadelphia's, Philadelphia's just hit a glitch. They kind of they kind of uh, got to get back in their in their uh, motion on offense, and, uh, and that'll help their defense, I think, a little bit. But it looks like the 49ers. Do you know Dan Campbell and talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions? Because even though I'm a black and blue division guy and I'm a Packers guy, there's something mm-hmm. about the Lions winning that makes me happy. Well, I tell you what, he's he's a no-nonsense guy. He played in the league for 11 years. I got uh, two guys that I work with are on that staff up there, and uh, I know that they, they're doing it the right way. He's uh, he's one of those guys that's that's old school. But he knows how to treat the players, and I think they respect that. And what about the job that DeMarco Ryans is doing at Houston? I mean, first-year head coach, first-year quarterback, and they may go on and win the AFC South. I, I think he's doing a tremendous job. He, he's really he's he's really done a good job with that young quarterback. And it has a little bit to do with his offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, I know. But D'Amico's the one that's, that's right at the head of the the table. And uh, when they can bring a guy in like that, he can play in the NFL as a rookie and be that successful. And of course, defensively, D'Amico is going to be sound. So uh, I, I think they're a really good football team. I know I know when the Bucks played him, I talked to a couple guys on the Bucks staff and they said he's for real. Rick, you uh, coached tight ends uh, with our man Bruce Arians, uh, both with the Cardinals and with Tampa Bay. 
When you look at Brock Bowers, and it was pretty clear that he wasn't 100% on Saturday, but when you see him when he is 100%, where where does he rank? Just in terms of for, uh, for college prospects as at that position, where, where do you see him? In, in football today, in, in times, Lars, he's, he's going to be rated, you know, a healthy Brock Bowers now I'm talking about. And, you know, hopefully he'll get healthy. But I think he'll be rated in the top 12, 15 prospects because of what people are doing with the tight ends now. They're not asking that guy to be the blocker that, that we had uh, in, in our time, but they're asking him to be split out. They're asking him to do different things that, that are mismatches on the defense, on safeties and linebackers. And he's, he's that good athlete. Is Bryce Young off, or has he just not got any support? Uh, it's hard. It, you know, Matt, it's hard to answer that question uh, because I, I don't think the guy was given a chance. I think offensively he got beat up a lot. And, you know, I, I told Connie after seeing it one after watching him a game, I said, he's not going to last the whole year if he gets beat up like that. Um, now, they need some help on the outside for sure. Uh, but uh, you just can't beat your quarterback up like that. I know, you know, uh, in hanging out and spending a lot of time with Bruce Arians, he always just loved the big quarterback, right? Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, uh, Tom Brady, Carson Palmer. Is is Bryce just too small, or it, it, can that be overcome? Uh, and, and look, we we know that the, the Panthers had the first round or the first overall pick for a reason, and he really has gotten beat up. And the offensive line play has not been great. But I've always just worried about his uh, stature. Well, I think you can go go through the league, and you 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 know what Bruce liked is is exactly what you said, Lars. He liked the bigger, stronger kind of quarterback. But uh, then you got to go back and look at a guy like Drew Brees who lasted so many years in the NFL and won a Super Bowl. So I think it has to do with, you know, system he's in, people around him, protecting him. Uh, you know, he was ju- it was just an unfair situation for him, I think, at the beginning of the season. Rick Chrisville is our guest on Big Noon Sports. What do you hear about Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to come back and play? I don't think he will. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think, I think now if the Jets were – going to play for a Super Bowl. I think he might try to get back for the playoffs, but I think it'll be hard for him um, to be at his the top the top level he needs to be at to be at his physically. All right. Um, so I'm a Cincinnati Bengals guy all the way. And uh, last night, Jake Browning in his second start completes over 86% of his passes, goes for over 350 yards, just the seventh player in NFL history to do that. First player in NFL history to do that in his second start. And this is a kid who was cut three times by the Vikings. He was on the Bengals practice squad. How does this happen, Rick, where a player just out of nowhere has a, an incredible performance and, and is it possible for him to sustain it? Uh, you know, I can't answer the last part of that question, uh, Lars, but I can tell you this. You talk about Bryce having not much help around him. He's got a lot of help around him. He's got three top receivers, and, and the offensive line is playing at a at a really good level right now. And when they can run the ball, if Nixon and, and the, the other guy can run the, run the ball, then uh, they're going to have an opportunity, and he'll be able to be successful because it'll take the pressure off of him. I thought what he did last night was – 
uh, he didn't turn the ball over, you know, and, and made some big plays when he needed to. And there was one big play where he broke it in the, I think it was the fourth quarter where he ran for about 20, 25 yards or something like that to get the ball down inside the red zone. Jordan Love, is he improving? Because he certainly has looked that way over the last couple of games. He's going to get paid. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he's, you know, it was just a matter of time for him. Uh, they wouldn't have put him in that situation if they didn't think he could do it. I, I think he's getting better each week. You know, it's a, it's a tough. That's a tough position to play in the NFL. anybody Anybody thinks they want to play quarterback in the NFL, it, it's tough because you got so many things and so many variables that that uh, happen to that position. And I I think uh, he's he's learning and and uh, using some of the experience he learned from Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's you know helping him out. Rick, can you break down the uh, uh, the fourth and thirty one play for us, <laughs> and uh, and have you and the throw? I mean, the throw was just pure magic, and, and I love people when they describe it as a hail mary. That was not a hail mary. <laughs> that was, no, it was that was just a, an incredibly well executed play, and also this the decision. And I know you don't want to be critical of another coach. I know that, uh, and we don't like to do that either. But the decision, basically, just to rush two and have a spy on Jalen to give him all the time he wanted. Again, just give us your analysis of that entire sequence. First of all, you know, Matt, you asked me this question a long time ago. What I thought about Nick Saban and. Alabama back early when we had the last about in, in Melrose, and I said, "What I say? I said, just watch. Things are going to come on, and, and he's going to get that young defense going, and this kid's going to be a good football player, or you know, at least adapt to that offense." And I think he has done that. Now, that particular play, Lars, I'm you know, I'm not going to be critical, but I would have I would have rushed four people, and you know, make give him a little give him a little pressure, make him throw the ball. It was a tremendous throw, and he, you know. As much as a throw, it was a heck of a catch. That ball was, you know, right right on the end. He got his feet. He got both feet down. That was an NFL catch. He got both feet down in the corner of the end zone. So it, it was, to me, it was a great play. Is, is, sorry, is the aiming point that uh, pylon for Milrow on that throw? I, I think that's what exactly what they tell him to do. That's what we, you know, what we always told our guys to throw for that back pylon because it's only one guy to catch a ball. What made you tell me? Two months ago, that you knew they'd come around, Alabama. I just, you know, you could see the athletic ability in that quarterback. You could see, you know, that, uh, that you could see that he could throw the ball. He he was going to use his legs, get himself out of trouble. And Coach Saban does a great job. I mean, that that defense was young. That, that was a young defense, and, and they were adapting to the system. And even though they're there and they've been in it, it gives them a chance to play it in the game. And when when they start getting those things going. And it often, and he, he started playing better quarterback. I knew that that team was going to be playing for the championship in the SEC. I didn't know if they'd get in the playoffs, but I thought they'd be playing for the SEC championship. Rick, have uh, you got snorkeling or getting on a catamaran? Have you got anything planned for the next 10 minutes? No, not for the next 10 minutes. All right. No. We're going to hold right. you over the answer. <laughs> and maybe get another <laughs> description of what it's like going on in, in Jamaica, man. We'll be right back with Big Moon okay. Sports. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> sports like kudzu on the roadside this is big noon sports
Rick Christfeld is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. He's at the beach. Anything cool happened during the break there, Rick? I hear no, people. nothing. I, I know a lot of people walking by trying to do certain things, you know? <laughs> Did any of us ever think that we'd be doing an interview with a guy in Jamaica on the phone I live? Did. I mean, it's just the technology. Is, uh, is, is Connie with you? You got kids or what? Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. This is this is our fiftieth wedding anniversary. Oh, oh Rick. congrats! Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know hey, what? You. Yeah. I'll let you talk about this for a minute because I know it not firsthand from having lived it, but having watched it. Being the wife of a coach, <clears throat> pretty much on any level, is grueling, and it takes a special person to put up with it for a year, <laughs> much less fifty. Connie's a gem. She is. She is. I'm telling you this. You know, coaches, they, they can, you can tune all that stuff out. I never worried about the outside noise. I never listened to the outside noise uh, because a lot of people don't know. Matt, you've been there. Lars, you've been there. A lot of people don't know what goes on in the locker room behind the scenes or anything like that. So, you know, people don't understand that. But the, the, the families are the ones that hear all the noise. They sit in the stands. Uh, they hear all the bad things about their husband, about their daddies, and you know, it's tough on them. They they, they think that, that sometimes, it, you know, that these people are really after them, and they're not. They're just expressing an opinion. You know, when I spent uh, time with with you and, and, and Bruce, uh, both in, in Arizona and in Tampa, what I was amazed by, and you, you guys are so generous to kind of just let me in, was just how much drama there is among the players, the locker room. And so uh, what I'm wondering is, is your wife almost have to be like a psychologist a little bit? Because <laughs> you, you have to tell somebody about it. You can't, you know, complain to the boss necessarily, but you you, you got to tell your wife kind of, how'd your day go, honey? And you got to tell her, right? There, there was times where, you know, everybody says they don't bring stuff home and you try not to bring anything home, but you're exactly right. There's, some stuff that you got to take home and you got to talk to her. And she's my best friend. I mean, she's the one I talk to when, you know, all the things that, that happen. And so um, that's what makes her a special person, makes her a special coach's wife. I mean, she, and there, there are a lot of them like that. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough business. Well, Chris Arians will definitely give her opinion. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Loud, clear, and yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Chris. Right. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I've got stories about Chris, and I know you do, <laughs> Rick, but she, she's absolutely a, a, just a gem of a person. But, oh, she is. Connie and her are like sisters. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask about uh, one of your former neighbors, Rich Rodriguez. I, I, you're, uh, are you still in touch with Rich Rod? Uh, and uh, just the, the the job that he has done at Jacksonville State. No, I, I haven't stayed in touch with him. But, uh, yeah, they did a heck of a job. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great place. I'm going to tell you, Jacksonville State, they, they deserve um, to be in a bowl. Uh, if it, if they're eligible, and I guess they are, right? They are eligible because of uh, all the other teams. That, that the six, there's not a bunch, enough six, six teams to make it into the bowl. And uh, speaking of bowl games, Alabama is going against Michigan. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, when you were at Arizona, I believe you faced Harbaugh twice a year when he was the head coach at uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. 
what what did you learn about Jim Harbaugh when uh, when he was in the NFL and you were going against him? Well, I, th- I think they're they're going to be they're going to be hard nosed and they're going to play with uh, good technique. They're going to be well coached, and that's for sure. And they they're not going to quit playing. They're not going to quit. They're going to play all the way to the end. And uh, you know, the first the first year we were there, we didn't get him. But then then after the first year, we got him. Uh, we got him pretty good a couple of times. So uh, we were fortunate uh, to go to do that. And I think from there, he went on to uh, Michigan. Rick Chrisfeld is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. Rick, did the committee get it right? Well, you're going to ask a tough question, didn't you? I knew that was coming. <laughs> you knew it was coming. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You know what? I bet the committee wishes they, they had 12 of them in this year like they have yeah. next year. Um. That's a, that's tough to say. I think anybody, and you know, Alabama fans will not like this, but anybody who goes thirteen and zero in a major conference and wins their conference should be in a playoff. And uh, that's just me. Um, Alabama goes to Georgia and, and beats Georgia. Texas goes to Alabama and beats Alabama. You know, and, and you know, you can have an argument that Ohio State is one of those top top tier teams. You know, they they were only one defeat, so. I think it's it's tough, but uh, I think Alabama's you know one of the top five, four or five teams in the country right now. So, yeah, well, I, what a, what a brutal call for the committee. Yeah, I mean, but it yeah. just uh, nobody no, nobody wins. I just don't think you can shut the SEC out. Yeah. Uh, and after what Alabama did against Georgia, it was just very difficult. Uh, Rick, want to ask you again to put your uh, talent evaluator cap on with Jalen Milrow and project how he could be in the NFL. Granted, he's, he's going to have another year of development here in Tuscaloosa, but um, is he a starting NFL quarterback, do you think? I think he, you know, I think he might mature in the one. I don't think right now he's ready to take that, that jump. I think it, staying in college is going to help him and being able to be around a good system. Uh, but he's definitely got He's definitely a talented individual. That's for sure. Um, I don't know if you can. I, I didn't. I never saw. I didn't get to see Anthony Richardson play very much, and I don't know if you can. You can compare him to him. He, I think he's a little more accurate than Anthony. But yeah, um, uh, I, I think he's. You know, he's a talented kid. I mean, you know that at the combine, he'll 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 pull an Anthony Richardson, right? And exactly. and, and, and it's interesting to me. Like Bruce always, man. He. Uh, when uh, Mitch Trubisky was drafted, like second overall, in, in privately, BA was just he, he couldn't believe it because uh, yeah. he just he hadn't done enough at the collegiate level. And how much do you weigh that when you are evaluating players, uh, even you know in, in what you were coaching tight ends? How much does it matter to you the production? rather than what you see at the combine in Indy? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of teams go on numbers. I think that's why they they ask coaches to evaluate. There were times when only general managers made the call on on players, you know, who they were who they were going to draft. And I think that Bruce did such a great job of letting us be involved in the evaluation process that um, we could we could see, you know, and and take touch with those guys and I think it's 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 more about love and passion of the game, and I think for you know the the, the biggest thing you watch in NFL quarterbacks is the great ones and the good ones 
are very, very accurate. They throw the ball with great accuracy. Yeah, that's what Bruce always told. He, he always said, you can't coach accuracy. And by the time that you are basically a college sophomore, you either have it or you right. don't. Does that, does that sound about it, right? I think that's probably about right. You know, and, and uh, you know, Bruce was involved with one of the best ones of all time. I mean, one of the great two guys, quarterbacks of all time, when Ryan Leaf and uh, Andrew Luck came out. He, he liked Andrew Luck over Ryan Leaf, so... And a lot of people like Brian Lee. So, yeah. And um, I remember Bruce told me that he went out to Pullman, Washington, right, where Ryan played at Washington State, and uh, basically acted like a undercover detective, and going to like literally like to Seven Eleven and ask the guy behind the counter, "Hey, do you know Brian Leaf? Does he treat you well?" And all the reports were not good. And Ryan yeah, admits that. You know, that. I've spent a lot of time with yeah, Ryan. I know, you know you that. Have, uh, a lot of time with Ryan for a project that didn't work out. But people were thinking about him about Peyton Manning. Well, he, Peyton Manning physical, was ready to I mean, play when he was a Ryan song. Leaf, man. I mean, it, yeah. you were there. Like Ryan Leaf was just so impressive physically. But man, yeah. just that's what I think. That's what I think everybody was going on. His impressive, you know, his physical, his physical uh, stature. And he, he threw the ball well, and he could run. He could he could mo, he was mobile. So I think that's that's what a lot of people went on. Who had the best arm you've ever seen? Oh mm. Lordy! Ah, I can't. You know, there's been so many good ones. I've been around. That I tell you, who could, who could throw the ball as good over the middle as anybody around is is Carson Palmer. Yeah. He could throw a deep, he could throw a deep in route with a laser with the best of them and put it put it in the right spot either high low down down in the in the body behind the front I've never seen you know he he throws the in route as good as anybody around. And It'd be I hard did, to I, argue with John Elway because I would talk to Chan Gailey often and he said what he can do when he spins it yep. is just yep. it's hard you have to literally see it to even understand how impressive it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he did. he was he's another one. You know, it, there's just been a bunch of them. You know, come to you know Terry Bradshaw could throw the ball a long way. Yeah, he could. And he had the guy. He had the guys to, to throw it to. to. Yeah. Rick, Rick, there have been so many injuries to uh, elite quarterbacks this year. You had to deal with that one year when Carson went down. What does that do to the locker room when you lose your starting quarterback, especially a guy well, who is uh, with elite skills? Well, first of all, it, it kind of it's deflating when you're on the field and you watch your starter go down because that's the one you. I don't. You, you remember this, Lars? We were ten and one uh, the year we lost Carson against the Los Angeles at that time, the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, I mean, it was you, you try to recoup, but it, it's too it's hard to recoup because now you're playing with a guy that uh, is a backup, has been probably a backup through his whole career, and uh, you know he as a starter if he was a a, a really great player, he'd be a starter for somebody. So it's tough. It's tough. Hey, uh, Rick, I've done literally thousands of interviews, but this is the first one from the beaches of Jamaica. Thank you for your time. Uh, our best to Connie. And by the yeah, way, happy 50th. Happy 50th. That's fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thanks, right. Matt. Thanks, Lars. You bet. Right. Thanks, Rick. Great stuff. So we will uh, we'll talk again soon. He and knows more about football. 
than maybe any of the guests we have on. He did something at the college level that I've never heard of or seen before, and I'll explain it to you when we get back on Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today around 60. Clear tonight, the low 38. Tomorrow, sunny, breezy, and cooler, the high 53. Thursday and Friday, the sky's sunny both days. The high Thursday, 58. The high Friday at 64. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Rick Christfell was uh, just our guest of the last portion of Big Noon Sports and just a, a wealth of information with all things football. That's why we term him Rick Christfell, all things football. But I'm, I'm looking at his resume here. He coached at like 12 different cities. You understand? I mean, you get that. Yep. You get that, what that means to Connie, his wife. Mm-hmm. He has th- three beautiful daughters. And you're just, you're picking up and moving. From um, Houston to Nashville, from Nashville to Starkville, from Starkville to Birmingham. But the one thing that I saw, I witnessed him do, and this goes to your point right before the break, Lars, he's a football coach. He was a defensive coordinator and then became the offensive coordinator when he was at UAB. Now, do you have to know all things football? Yeah. He's a lifer. He's a lifer. And um, the most successful coaches, Bill Belichick aside, because Bill Belichick has had some issues, uh, some marital issues, but the most successful coaches usually have sort of the CEO at home. Like a Miss Terry. Yeah. Or a Miss Connie. When's the last time Nick Saban paid, paid a bill? Oh. Uh, oh. That would be never. Never? And... <laughs> There was there was a little um, somebody tweeted something out and it was on Nick's account and somebody said look look Nick Saban's he's actually texting well I, th- I think somebody had gotten his number yeah. right he had two hundred and fifty yeah. calls on Sunday cussing him out for something he had no part of but except winning so they do have a grueling schedule and it, it goes to the families um, basketball may have it worse. Because you play so many darn road games. Yeah. 
Um, I remember Mike Anderson, UAB, going on the Hall of Fame. Um, his wife was, she was right there. For and she could uh, take charge too. For Bleacher Report, gosh, maybe four years ago. I pitched an idea of doing a, uh, a long-form piece, uh, like 5,000 words, on three different coaches who had been fired. And I started with uh, Seth Greenberg, um, who is a college basketball analyst now for Pretty ESPN. does a really good job. And I talked to Seth for a long time, a really long time, and he was so open about just uh, – how emotionally devastating it is to be fired and also uh, knowing that you, you've kind of, or I'm not putting this the right way, he, he felt like he let down his family, right? Because they're going to have to move and all this. But then I talked to Gene Chizik and Gene's story was so amazing that I went back to my editor and said, I, I just want to make this a, a, a profile on Gene and what it was like for him to get fired from Auburn and then stay in Auburn and because he didn't want to uproot his kids because his kids were in high mm-hmm. school. And he opened a couple like uh, sub, sub shops, right? Sandwich shops. And, uh, and it was just fascinating. And he, Gene was so uh, welcoming. And I spent probably two or three full days with him just shadowing him. Not really even, you know, and asking questions every once in a while, but just just with him and talking about, again, the emotional devastation of what it's like to be fired. Uh, and especially for him after just two years of winning a national championship. And I hated to call Seth back, but I had to do it and tell him, ah, you know, the, the story has gone in a little bit different direction. Thank you so much. Hopefully I can revisit it. And, uh, and Seth Greenberg was just excellent too. He was just, Hey, no big deal. Like, you know, hope we can, maybe we can, you know, uh, do something in the future, but but it's something uh, that people need to think about. Like these are, these aren't, they're still, they're not robots. They're They're human beings. Yes. And they have families and believe it or not, some have feelings (laughs) Yep, and, and some wouldn't show it, but, uh, they probably go home to their wives and. Talk about that over, um, you know, steak and tater. It can be it can be hard because, you know, for the kids who are say in in uh, in grade school or in uh, junior high, high school, they get made fun of by the other kids, and it's hard. It was hard uh, for like Gene just to go to the grocery store because everybody's looking at you, pointing kind of, you know, whispering under their breath. And it's just, can you imagine that? Every time you walk out of your house? Um, To a much, much lesser degree because I hadn't been fired. But uh, my my kids had to undergo some of that. Yeah, we've talked about Uh, that. Yeah. But, you know, I think they're better people for it. Hey, Ryan, excuse me. Ryan's over here. Noah's there. Who got the score right in our picks? 27-24, do you remember? Uh, Xavier Houston and Gary Harris. Wow, Gary Harris. I'm surprised Gary didn't call me about that. Hey, we got surprised there hasn't been a text gone out saying, I did it. Bye. Hey, Jim.